0: Hello and welcome to Lorewatch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite things of media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt?
1: I'm getting yet more emails for people who are not me, but have the same name as me.
0: It is a weird problem to have, because I get the same yeah. thing. Mine's a little more, like, out of, like, I guess understandable, since my name is essentially the John Smith of the Hispanic world, uh, but... Yeah, it's always weird when you need email for there somebody else. There are a
1: surprising amount of Matthew Rossi's. Yeah. You, you don't think of Matthew Rossi as being a particularly <laughs> generic name, and yet and there's yet a lot are. of them. Yeah. yeah. This one is its like this huge family potluck, I guess, is happening, and I don't know a single person in it. But the the Rossi family that these people belong to is having a potluck and they keep inviting me and I'm like, I, I don't know you. I don't live anywhere near you.
0: I don't what
1: am I supposed to do here? How many different ways do I tell people I don't know who you are? So yeah well that has nothing to do with anything but he asked
0: i was gonna say that's not what we're here for we're here to answer your questions uh so if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts we do have a lot of them now be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com you can go ahead and just specify what show it's for and ask our questions or if you have a, a suggestion for a theme just go ahead and let us know uh, if you don't want to do the email, you can also send them into uh, our various podcast channels on Discord. We have a uh, Patreon Q and podcast questions channel. And... And we'll always look in that patron's channel first, just as a way of saying thank you for uh, those of you that are able to support us and continue to make sure shows like this and other shows are able to work. If you can't support us, we understand. You don't want to do the email. We also understand. Uh, just go ahead and throw those into our Q and podcast questions channel. Again, just specify what show they are for. Or if you want us to have a, an adventure and which one uh, which one of us gets to use it, make a game. Decide how me and Matt have to fight for it instead of mud wrestling or thumb wrestling. Either one is, uh, you know, acceptable. But I'm sure you guys can get creative. But without further ado, we're going to get started with the very first question here. Uh, and this one is uh, from Zek, a longtime fan of uh, the game and the podcast. Uh, I think I figured something out about the Eternals. I believe they are world souls that have died before waking up. The Winter Queen woke up without knowing how she got there. If a world soul dies, does the world not die with it? Question mark. So does the world that died become their realm in the Shadowlands? Because we know titan souls can't really die, their energy just moves because they are, are conscious, but what happens to one that dies before waking up? Is Zoval the world uh, Sargeras destroyed that was infested, or maybe is, it the, is that the Maw? Their only memory of life starts in the Shadowlands, leading me to believe they are titans that died before the world soul awakened. Also, I think Aluna is a sleeping world soul that can never wake. Uh, her realm is the Emerald Dream. Your dream when you sleep. Uh, I think she is uh, a special world soul or one that chose not to wake up. I believe her to be a loon of the dream. So why would she ever wake? She does a lot of Titan things that uh, like gets called mother moon. I don't think she's a moon at all. I think she sticks around Azeroth to protect it as much as possible with her somewhat passive abilities. Titans empower things. A empowers people constantly. Azeroth has two moons. I think a chose to be Uh, by Azeroth and is, in fact, sleeping worlds while watching over Azeroth. Azeroth is the final titan. Uh, They didn't say the only titan in a world. What if Azeroth never wakes up and does like a loon and would passively, uh, but uh, through the people who inhabit her because she not only is Azeroth special, but all races made up of it defy all odds constantly. There's a lot here to unpack, Uh, so I guess we'll start with uh, the, the first ones first. We don't have any indication on what... Uh, the Eternal Ones really are a a world soul that never woke up is as good of a a prospect as any of the others. And we do know that there is some sort of tie between them or at least an equal of power level. But we do know that the power that a world soul generates uh, is immense, right? So Argus, I don't think technically ever really woke up. It was actually shackled uh, before it ever sort of was born. And was used as the fuel for the engine that was being used to resurrect and sort of uh, force demons back into the plane ahead of time. Uh, in the books, we we or in the short stories, we actually get the whole glimpses of it being a uh, terrified world soul or one that is being tortured. Um, and when we face it, it we're not really sure that it's kind of woken up or if it's just a manifestation of that particular energy that's been twisted. Uh, But when we kill Argus or defeat Argus and send that soul to the Maw, or in this case, uh, just the Shadowlands in general, it overloads the Arbiter. It's too much for the Arbiter to handle. So I don't know necessarily that world souls that maybe never woke up became Eternal Ones, but there's nothing that says that it couldn't happen either.
1: One thing to point out, Um, we don't know that Titans can't die. That is not something we know. Uh, We know that the Pantheon didn't die, but that was because Norganon took action at the moment before their bodies were destroyed. Uh, He cast uh, a spell that spirited their world souls away before they were destroyed. That doesn't mean that Titans can't die. It doesn't mean world souls can't die. Uh, So we don't know that Titan souls can't really die. That is not something we know. It doesn't mean that it is the case, but we haven't, been given that information one way or the other so that needs to be pointed out um and that also means that for instance the world soul that sargeras killed when he destroyed that planet that was infested we don't know if it died or not because we don't know if they can or not if they can't then where did it go did it go to the shadowlands i couldn't tell you um since we don't we don't know what made the eternal ones we do know that the bodies and the roles of the eternal ones seem to have been designed from the start by the first one uh we have the the prototype pantheon that we run into when we go into the uh sepulcher of the first ones which clearly indicates that the first ones have some kind of eternal one generating device
0: and at least the plan for it, too, because like yeah. the, the entire quest leading up to the reignition of the Arbiter with uh, Pelagos taking over, which, slight spoilers if you haven't gotten there, but it's been a while, um, you're essentially trying to find a power source to shackle the mantle to, right? Like, shackle the mantle of Arbiter to, in order to power it.
1: Which they didn't do previously. The Arbiter, up until that point that we see in Shadowlands, but never interact with, didn't have anything there there was nothing shackled to it there was no mm-hmm. soul in it it was just the mantle run like an automaton and one could argue that was the biggest mistake that the eternal ones made that they didn't give the arbiter a soul they didn't give it a re- they didn't replace zoval they it's like they out, they they fired him and then got a computer to do his job and unfortunately that left the computer utterly vulnerable when zoval showed up to take it back Cause it didn't have anything there. Uh, one could argue that the reason that the Argus's soul damaged it so much was that it couldn't calculate what, what to do with it.
0: Yeah. It wasn't programmed was no for that much input, yeah, right?
1: It, there's no way that this being that just goes on by rote could possibly figure out the proper placement of an entity like Argus. Um, and, you know, that's quite possible. We, we really, we are operating here on entirely sp- supposition, but I would point this out to you. <sighs> a world that's lost its world soul wouldn't have to die or become a shadowland
2: mm-hmm. because we
1: know one world where, the, where it seems to have never had a world soul in the first place. And that's Draenor. Mm-hmm. Draenor had all the components that you would want in a world with a world soul in it. It had all the elements. It had spirit in abundance. It was practically a paradise, at least in terms for life, but also an incredibly savage and untamed place because all that energy was just there for everything to be fought over.
0: There, there, was, nothing, there was nothing to tame the anima or the, uh, we know it's anima now, but it was referred yeah. to as spirit then, right?
1: Yeah, anima and spirit are basically the same thing. And as a result of that, it's quite possible that if a world soul were to die inside a world, if anything, that world would seem to get healthier to the beings on it. Mm -hmm. because the world soul that draws that spirit into itself would no longer be doing so it it seems very clear that the the anima of life is generated by living things not by world souls
0: yeah it's the world world souls souls, the world souls sort of sip from that font that is generated by the living beings
1: yeah and it seems quite Reasonable to indicate that the material world of a- that Azeroth and other worlds li- exist in the, for lack of a better word, we're going to call it the material plane because we play D and D for years and it's just a nice convenient term for it. The material plane that the worlds that you know, like Azeroth, live in, generates life by itself, uh, possibly due to the imaginations of the first ones. That's what it does. Like, in a real sense, uh, to me at least, after seeing Xerath Mortis, after seeing the the Jailer's plan in action, I'm more convinced than ever that the other planes of existence, we're often called higher planes of existence, are conceptual. Mm -hmm. In order for things to actually exist, they have to exist in a place where all of these things come together. And that's why you need the mortal material plane to exist in order for these other cosmical planes in the orrery to even be there in order for, for concept planes like that to exist. You have to have a mortal plane for them to draw on because nothing in the shadowlands could exist without anima. We've seen that. And where does the anima come from living things? They don't generate an erg of energy on their own. Mm -hmm. They don't have any, there's no anima in the shadowlands without living things it's just not there despite the fact that the plane itself every plane you go to every like uh, bastion or revendreth or maldraxxus and whenever you go to them without the continuing flow of anima from the mortal plane they don't exist they stop existing the shadowlands as a whole would stop if living things stop dying.
0: I mean, that, that's sort of the whole point of the initial thing of the expansion, right? Is mm-hmm. we see how rapidly in our terms, right? Cause it hasn't been that long. It's only been two years at this point. Since the events of, of Argus dying to us going to the Shadowlands. That's not a whole lot of time in the grand scheme of things. And we're already being, you know, when we get there, the place is already sort of a mess. It's already starting to deteriorate. They're already starting, like, when you get to Ardenwell, they're already closing groves up in order to try to protect the uh, the heart, the the heart of the forest, essentially. Yeah, uh, they're,
1: like, literally sacrificing wild seeds because they don't have a choice.
0: Yeah, because it's that or the realm dies right so like uh-huh. we already start to see that sort of interdependence and for while time is different in the shadowlands two years of that being broken down had that much of an effect uh, like that's massive right
1: yeah and it's it is one of those things where as you look at that as you think about the fact that nothing in the shadowlands would exist without the mortal realm to power it what about other realms mm-hmm like what I mean, obviously, there's not a death, there's not a life to death flow of anima from the mortal realm to say the Emerald Dream. But obviously, when people sleep, the anima goes somewhere. And that could be what the Emerald Dream is. It's literally the place your anima goes when you're unconscious. Uh, it is the place, it's like the place of mind outside, absent of body. Mm-hmm. Like when you are sleeping, when you are in that rest period you generate this place and that's what that's where its power comes from the plane of life obviously it's where life is 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 it where we're getting it from is it the place we draw anima from or is it the place where us being alive generates more energy and that energy while we're alive goes to the life plane and then comes back from it Mm -hmm. i don't know i have no idea we've barely we know that the fell seems to be all about corrupting it changing it Twisting it, mutating it, chaotically altering it, burning it. You know, that seems to be the fell in a nutshell. Uh, we've Now seen the realm of death that leaves void. Void seems to be the place that the, that there is no anima where it's almost like anti-anima. And what does that mean? How does that work? Is it anti-anima or is it just everything hasn't every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. If we're using physics as an example here is void, just the equal and opposite reaction. Is it where the nothing has to be in order for there to be something. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't have, if you don't have a difference, then you don't have things. If you can't tell the difference between two things, there's no difference between them. And if there, there's no difference between anything, then everything is nothing. So in order to have everything, you have to have nothing in the first place to know the difference between it. I know we're getting into weird philosophic, philosophical, stuff here, but that's what I think these realms are. I think they're incarnated philosophical ideas yeah and literally in a real way and i'm, I'm going to shut up after this so joke and talk but in a real way i think the the idea that the void puts forth is that all you know there are a thousand truths so all things are essentially possible is them talking about creation mm-hmm. the reason that cre- that's true is because in order for all this stuff to exist it also has to not exist or be possible not to exist there has to be that place where these things aren't so but but now i'm going to shut up because Joe is going to talk then. the
0: the other thing that i want to to sort of put out there as well as well your theory is not it's not bad at all like it's actually it's a good theory there is one and there's thing, nothing wrong with it right there, there's just something that i think also it doesn't take into account uh, which is that without like matt pointed out without living the shadowlands can't exist But also vice versa, the Shadowlands are part of a system that was already built and put into place all at once. And to kind of counteract the world soul thing, we know that they wake up and gain sentience at some point, um, but there's nothing that says that they existed before uh, any of those that are, are considered the Eternal Ones, and we don't know how many Eternal Ones there are either. We don't know how many realms there are, how many uh, cadres of of beings like this there are. We've only met five, technically six now because we made another one, um, but they all sort of existed in parallel, and that's some, one of the things that they do push when you're going through Xerath Mortis and you start to look, we actually go through like a bunch of the questings with like furith and going through and actually unveiling some of the stories that the Shadowlands are as old as the universe itself, essentially. And I'm paraphrasing a lot because it's a long series of quests and it's a long series of story. Uh, but the short version is, is that essentially all of the realms have always existed, essentially at the same time by design of the first ones. Right, like This is their universal design. Everything has a purpose. So while it is possible that if a world soul dies, that maybe it does go to the Shadowlands and does become something of that, and maybe their world does become the blueprint for what's there, usually I I would say that you kind of want to push that aside and understand that when the Winter Queen woke up and just remembers walking through the Grove for the first time, And she remembers it being empty, right? There was nothing there waiting for her. It was just the land and just her. And then the first set of anima, the first soul, showed up. And then she started creating the fauna, and then the folks and creatures that would serve the court and started making the fairies and transforming the anima that was given to her. You would assume that if a world soul died and transitioned and became a realm... It would sort of maybe take things with it already. It wouldn't be there on its own at first. And they all seem to mimic that. The other thing that I think does lend credence to it is we talked about this before is Bastion shows that memories can be manipulated to a very large degree. They can be removed. They can be relived. They can be re-implemented. They can be altered. Um, so it is entirely possible that, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe these are world souls that have been made to not remember the life that they led before, or maybe not remember anything that came beforehand. But I don't think it's likely uh, just simply because of how everything that Zareth Mortis sets into play is that everything has to sort of coexist at the same time for the machine to work.
1: Let's actually talk about something, though. Go for it. That That, that made me think of. Did Xerath Mortis exist before the rest of the universe?
0: We have no idea, but presumably, no, we it have was no built, idea, but presumably, the, presumably not, because presumably it was built by the first ones.
1: But the did the first ones build literally everything all at once? Like, or did they have a draft drafting place? How did they draft? Obviously, Xerath Mortis is set up like a drafting place. Mm-hmm. It's set up with where first drafts of living entities and living ecosystems could be made. Did they? Where were they when they made the cosmos? Did they exist before they made the cosmos? Did time exist? Because we're told repeatedly that Shadowlands time doesn't work the way it does in in Azeroth. Did they come from a place where there was literally no time? Are they the founders from Deep Space Nine, kind of? Where linear time isn't something they experienced? Were they already dead before they even came up with any of this did they exist create the universe and die before time there's a lot to think about when we talk like because just talking about how it seems like the winter queen literally just appeared and there was no souls there and nobody showed up at the shadowlands we don't know when the first world souls actually came into the the material universe like we don't and we don't know although we're pretty sure they come from the plane of order where arcane energy comes from
0: we don't I'm know not so, I'm not so sure about that anymore, but still.
1: Yeah, but we don't know why they exist or if they existed in another realm first and then entered Azeroth's reality. Or were they created by the process of Azeroth existing as part of that process of Azeroth existing?
0: Or were they created by the first ones as essentially grove tenders to the universe to ensure that Azeroth existed or, or are they shepherded? Eggs. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe the entire purpose of the material universe is the creation of Titans. Maybe that's why corporeal existence exists because Titans, unlike say the eternal ones or the demons or what have you from other realms would be born into full material existence. It's like a God that has gone all the way from the, the part where everything is nothing and nothing is everything to the part where you create a universe mm-hmm. and thus the universe has discrete existence and non-existence and is composed of all these parts. And now that godlike force is reborn or born into a world where it can exist and be capable of changing existence by its existence. And that's why the void Lords want to corrupt them so badly in the first place. Because unlike the Void Lords, who, because everything is possible to them, can do nothing, you know, they have to create things to do it. Think about how debased the Void Lords actually are from the purity of the Void. The second that you make a decision, the second that you choose something, you are less. You are no longer the embodiment of 10,000 truths. You're now, this thing is something I did. Therefore, this thing is what I did.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's very true, right? Like, and that's we see that when we start talking about the old gods, right? Because the old gods are essentially what? Lesser versions of whatever was rolled in here from the void. Because they've they've essentially been given form and been altered by this material plane, by what existed, by what you yeah know. they
1: cr- in fact, that's where all the servants of the old gods are literally created out of the material of this plane, including the old gods themselves. Their bodies that they grow are made of twisted stuff that was already here.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: To the point where like the curse of flesh and the all that stuff is about them twisting what's already here. And by making them, by throwing them into the material universe, they're essentially copying whatever the Titans are for whoever the hell put them here. And it's just, it's fascinating to think about, is this a case? Is this a case like where the, the first one's plan for reality actually calls for this? No. Did they design the cosmos to do this? Or is it like a corruption error? Like when you get a virus and your RNA is repurposed, is it like that? I don't know. But thinking about it in terms of where the, the eternals come from, the eternals seem very much philosophically like the titan but practically very different and now i'm going to shut up because joe was trying to talk there
0: i was gonna say now, and the other thing that i want to consider here is moving on to some other other sections here is talking about elune as well now the the proposition that elune is a sleeping world soul that can never wake uh, and her realm is the emerald dream i i'm I don't dislike that, but I don't think that there's enough evidence to support that. And and while a lot of this is speculation, I think we've seen certain things involving World Souls that sort of tell us a little bit about what happens when they're in that sort of nascent state.
1: And At, and also, we have seen enough now about Ilune to know yes. that she transcends even just one world
0: yes because she can move freely between realms she can move freely between uh the barrier of existence which i don't think is talked about enough uh, but going back to the 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 world soul portion of it real quick before moving into more about the loon argus and azeroth are were incredibly powerful world souls argus was incredibly powerful as a world soul, which is why sargeras used it as sort of the fuel for the engine that he that he did right that's why he did that um but Argus couldn't affect things outside of itself, even when it was aware going back to the short story, uh, a thousand years of war where, you know, they have the vision when, when uh, they see the soul of Argus calling out in despair, it can't actually affect anything. It doesn't send for help. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, It just knows enough that about its existence to say i need help azeroth is much the same think about in it in
1: fact in fact i'm gonna i think i'm going along with you here go to the magni
0: comic mm-hmm. yep i was just then, gonna say that. yep go ahead
1: oh just when when in the magni comic where he's talking to his daughter and he's talking about how he became the speaker for azeroth he talks about the fact that azeroth reminds him of her as a baby mm-hmm that It doesn't actually say anything to him. It's not speaking to him in words. It's crying. A baby does not tell you I'm sick and colicky. The baby screams at you and then you pick the baby up and you try and soothe it. And eventually the baby might get soothed just by your presence, or you might start trying stuff to soothe it. Like, what about if I give you a bottle? Mm -hmm. I want a bottle. What if I change your diaper? Oh, you definitely wanted your diaper change. That's kind of the way it's not that the world soul isn't a living, powerful being. It's a baby. It it's, is a baby. It has no experience. It has no conception of what it is doing or, or its context. Yeah. Yeah. It has no consciousness yet or more, more accurately. It has no self consciousness yet. It's, it's not like a baby. Babies aren't stupid. It's not that you have a baby and it doesn't know how to do anything. Cause it's a moron. It's a baby. Everything that ever happens to it is brand effing new, and so, it's not the baby's fault that it doesn't understand yet.
0: It's so it's yeah, a matter oh, it's it's a matter of unbridled potential, right? Like so, it's a world soul and a baby are very similar in that it is infinitely it has infinite potential to be anything, and that's one thing we've learned. And until it becomes fully formed and chooses a path, like if it's Amonthul or whether it's uh, Sargeras or or any of the, the members of the Pantheon, once they're formed, they sort of have a role that they fill into and that sort of defines them. But before that, we're seeing with Azeroth is just pure potential. There is the pure possibility to be anything and everything. Now, going back to Elune being a sleeping world soul, that's why I don't think Elune is a sleeping world soul. Eloon has a defined role, whether we know completely what that role is or not wait, yet. Wait a minute. Go wait a for minute,
1: it. Though. Wait a minute. It's not an infant, mm-hmm. but it might be sleeping. Not the way that they're sleeping. They're not sleeping. They're in the womb.
0: Well, I was going go to go a little bit different. I was going to go a little bit different, but go ahead.
1: Let, if she woke, and by woke we mean was born, took herself to that level of conscious being, and then chose to go back into the dream, it makes sense that, you know, she's Yeserah. She's like Yesera in that she took upon herself the conscious act of going into a dreaming state. She's a lucid dreamer. And so everything she does is through intermediaries, but it is Not because she can't interact with the physical world, it's because she has chosen to interact through dreams and portents for the most part, because that's where she's most effective. That's one possibility. I think we have to be very careful when we use the word woke when we're talking about a titan or a world soul. I would agree. Um, And the other possibility is that she's not even asleep. It's just her her style to do this.
0: I was gonna go a different route with a two, right? Because I By all think, means
1: go with that different route. Let's hear it.
0: So the, the the way that I was thinking about it is just thinking about loon in terms of the fact of what we know about the Pantheon of Death. Because the Pantheon of Death and loon are very clearly cognizant of each other. We know that loon can travel those realms. But why is that? Why is it that the Winter Queen refers to her as my sister? Why does the Winter Queen understand that Elune exists? And why does loon understand the Winter Queen exists? The Winter Queen has a very interesting role among all of the Pantheon of Death. The Pantheon of Death itself is essentially crafted to be self-contained as far as Getting the anima, getting the the souls in, converting them or extracting what power they need to out of them, and then essentially shaping that anima and those souls into what it needs. Whether it's in Maldraxxus and you take on the role of a protector of the realms where you fight for eternity, but then when necessary, go and fight the void or go and fight whatever extra dimensional invasion comes your way. Whether it is going to the Kyrians and being molded from an aspirant into a full-fledged Kyrian where your job now is to bring souls in and transfer them back to um you know to the the actual realm of death to shepherd into that process or if you're in revendreth where that soul must be prepared because it has too much baggage too much weight with it but ardenwell is a place of rebirth it's a place of nurturing. It's a place of healing. It's a place of taking those wounded souls and in many cases, sending them back to the material plane or where they came from, whether it's another realm or if we talked about the last week, we talked about the wild gods and them going back to the Emerald Dream. What if a loon is a mother program? What if a loon is designed to go everywhere and protect and nurture the souls or or spirits that she's in charge of, and not necessarily a Titan or World Soul, but on that same level of footing. She's often associated with the light and healing, sure, but she's also very present with Azeroth. Like you point out, when Azeroth had the first gaping wound that it ever received, the reason the night elves started worshipping her, and I believe the trolls before that, the night trolls, um they saw an entity that they thought was the moon enter the wound and leave the wound enter during the day, leave at night. We don't know what a loon was doing during that frame, but we can suspect that it might've been healing or stabilizing because that's one of the aspects of what a loon does. And I received a message from Matt in the middle of this, and I think we're going in the same direction. So I'm pretty happy about this. Um, but also, all the souls that are on chart that got sent into the Shadowlands. What was Alune trying to do? Alune was trying to shepherd them one out of a horrible situation, but by the same, the same prospect, helping keep the realm of rebirth active so that those souls that maybe are in her charge could return back to her someday. They could be reborn after the realm was stabilized elune is also associated with protection and this is where i'm going to let matt talk some more because what does a mother do if not protect their children at least in the rhetoric of of written word and Aluna's one aspect the night warrior is there to protect its people or her people and again souls in in charge and i'm going to let matt go now
1: yeah there's actually two roles to talk about when we talk about the night warrior i'll talk about the protection one first but then i'll segue into the other one um the night warrior we know of from um, multiple things. One of them is the, the planet Faizandi, I believe it is pronounced mm-hmm. um, that was attacked by an old God. Yep. So an old God was probably trying to get to the world soul on that planet. Cause why else would he be there? You know, they, they don't just show up um, like, Hey, we're old gods. We're going to do stuff. No, they're put, they're thrown into the universe to find and corrupt old, Titan souls. So the planet Faizandi probably has a Titan soul sleeping in it. And the old God came to corrupt it. And the people of Faizandi fought to defend their world because they didn't want to get turned into horrible monstrosity. Uh, but the war they had had with them became called the Endless War. And Kadarin's mother, Kadarin was the, the person uh, who basically tried to channel the power of Alun directly as the Night Warrior and died. But Theranax, uh, Kadarin's lover, um, and then later husband, did win the right and actually survived it he became the night warrior and in so doing defeated the old God. Like I'm keeping that in mind. The power, the full power of a night warrior is capable of destroying an old God. Oh yeah. If you channel the power of a loon in the night warrior, you can take out an old God that puts you above the Titans.
0: Yep. Cause they cannot do that.
1: They cannot just destroy an old God. Like he, he didn't destroy the old God also- and then have a bunch of parts all over the planet to deal with. He took the old God out.
0: Also with, uh, also, with A&R, A&R, the Lifebinder, where did we find and soul when we were looking in, like, trying to locate the last yeah, Titans? Get, I'm getting there. I'm yeah, getting yeah, there yeah, 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 okay.
1: But that's not all the Night Warrior does. Um, I would argue that it's the Night Warrior aspect of loon who sent those souls. hmm Because the Night Warrior has been said multiple times to be a psychopomp. A psychopomp is a, is a being that when things die shepherds their souls to the proper destination it's very similar to the role that the um why can't i think of their name the people from bastion come on matt
0: you're talking about the kyrians
1: thank you the kyrians the the the, the kyrians perform this role for in the shadowlands but somebody gets them to the shadowlands in the first place elune is one of those beings the whole thing where she she hung uh sarah up in the stars that's something that Alun has been known to have done repeatedly throughout the history of the elves. Um, and you'll also notice that even when she's the night warrior, she's not cruel. Like she doesn't want to kill her night warriors. It's just that they can't endure it. They can't endure the pain of being the night warrior.
0: It's like jumping. Tell- it's like jumping a fuse box, right? You can do it for so long, and you can circumvent some of the the, the things, the safeties, but eventually, it's going to burn out.
1: But think about what that states about Alun herself. Alun has a way to not die from being the Night Warrior because she can then be the other aspect. If there's just one, I think there's another one out there somewhere. By the way, I think she's got at least three. Mm-hmm. Um, but. When the Winter Queen is calling Elune her sister, it's because they perform equal and opposite functions. Mm -hmm. The Winter Queen gathers up the souls in Ardenweald, gets them into wild seeds, gets them ready, and sends them back to the land of the living. Elune's Night Warrior aspect gathers up the slain, gets them together, gets them ready, and shepherds them to the Shadowlands, where they will then be placed According to that, the way the Shadowlands work, she was obviously unaware of the problem with the drought, which is not surprising since the entirety of it all happened relatively quickly. And then she literally, as Argus was barely even cold, alune saw thousands of her people dying
2: all mm-hmm, at once. Mm-hmm.
1: It wouldn't have been a lot of time to, to like know, to, to like suss out the situation in the Shadowlands. She just knew that many of her people dying was going to cause problems.
0: And, and also she could
1: hear she could hear the winter queen crying out to her for help, so she went with the solution that she could come up with in that moment.
0: Because it would, it would serve both purposes, right? It would, mm-hmm. it would save the souls of her people in a way that is conducive to also saving her sister's land and allowing and that process rebirth. of rebirth to continue.:
1: Yeah, it, it was actually a very good plan. It's just that she didn't know about the Argus problem. She didn't know what the problem was and that by doing it, it would just ultimately not work. She didn't know that. There was no way she could know it because whilst she is a very powerful figure, clearly she's non-omniscient.
0: Which is, a, I think, also an important thing to note here in the Warcraft universe is nothing seems omniscient. Nothing at all. Not the light. Yeah. Not the void. None of it is omniscient, um, and I think that is a very interesting thing because it's very rare that you hear about godlike beings or beings of that sort of level of power that don't have a level of omniscience. Um,
1: yeah, and it should even be pointed out that uh, the 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 light, at least the Naru who who are like swimming in the light and consider it like this great cosmic force that directs their actions, can't see the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It took them a mortal to do that a mortal can see the future and they can't and that's something to think about
0: now the other thing that i uh, wanted to bring up too the reason that i wanted to the the protection of elune Elune, go for it
1: yeah go um we find a titan on the the moon elundress which makes me think that elune in in the Ilarian sanctuary by the way yeah in the alarian sanctuary i think that it this is basically a point that Elune is an omni-protective being, and any place where Elune's grasp is, is named in some way to acknowledge her presence. Here's an example of, of where, as on Azeroth, we see people kind of forsake Elune. Mm-hmm. The city of Zinashari is the most famous night elf city. It's the one that, if you watch the Warbringers short, you see get destroyed. So when Ashara is standing there trying to protect, it's where the primary Temple of Elune was located. The Temple of Elune that we had over in Suramar wasn't the primary one, but it was the oldest one. And in fact, probably built by Titans. You know, it, very clearly when we go in there, that's a different oh, yeah. facility. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. But the primary Temple of Elune was in Zinashari. And at one point, the primary Temple of Elune in Zinashari was the capital of Zinashari because Zinashari didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was named Elundris
2: mm-hmm.
1: for Elune, the eye of Elune. And that to me, I think that was a deliberate naming because that was where Elune watched the the eye of, watched the well of eternity from. That's where she watched Azeroth from, not the planet and its mortals, literally the world spirit Azeroth. Mm-hmm. Much like anyone might watch an injured child that they wanted to help. And I think that that's, That's the motherly night, you know, the mother moon aspect of, of but it's all, I mean, of Taronda. sorry, (laughs) oops, uh, of Elune, (laughs) but it's also the night warrior aspect of Elune
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because it's the idea of when you can't protect with an embrace or soothing words or kindness, you protect with a fist, you do anything to protect those who need you. And that's very much part of the loon's, I, I want to say worship, but also just basically her being. Like, yeah. We it, don't know, to, we still don't know why the loon made the, the, uh, the, the, oh God, the uh, Wild, wildkin? Is wildkin the right Wildken, word? Wildkin, yeah. Yeah. We don't know why she made them, but we know she did make them. hmm. And that they still can hear her. They just don't know how to explain it to us. You know, it is. I'm going to shut up again because I know Joe had something to say, but I, I really do think it's interesting to consider the fact that Alun is a completely different order of being than anything we've seen before.
0: Yeah, and that's part of the fascination with loon too, and why I think calling Alun a sleeping titan soul doesn't really do it justice because, like Matt's pointed out, Alun sort of has shown us that they transcend. That and the reason that I say that it's some sort of mother program, and 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 I've been saying this for years. Uh, I think ever since we started Lore Watch, even before that, uh, I started talking about the Warcraft universe in terms of programming because it seems to fit. And now Shadowlands has done nothing but bolster that on my part, where everything seems like it's programmed or has a specific reason. We don't know what created a loon, right? We know that the first ones created or at least we believe that they created the Shadowlands, the Pantheon of Death. By extension, we are sort of extrapolating that they had a hand in creating the Titans and possibly whatever set them into motion, but also beings like that potentially in all the other realms of existence that are out there. Titans, like the Pantheon of Death, like other things we've seen, Titan Watchers, etc., etc., seem to be programmed for specific purposes. Amanthul woke up and he knew what his purpose was kind of was right he went searching for others of of his ilk and sort of raised them up um aloon uh or sorry uh, anr Knew what she was supposed to do as soon as she was woken up. Sure, the whole point of it was like whatever mantle she's wearing or whatever essence that makes her up, sort of programmed her to cultivate life and sort of make those wild places, right? Like go to Sholazar Basin, go to, um, why can't I think of the other one now? The the other Um Ungoro Ungoro Crater. Go to those places and look at the. They're often referred to as the Titans' petri dish. But they were, they were in playground, essentially. They were places of wild, unfettered life of, of spirit being drawn back into beings on the planet, anima being infused back into it versus everywhere else where the anima was being pushed back into the planet in order to heal it or whatever the case was. But they all seem to have a role they fill. Whether it was by choice or design, my gut tells me it's by design that, Sargeras always knew that he was going to be the militant wing of the Pantheon um, and that his understudy was always going to be his understudy. Like that was just going to be how it was. Um, it's the same way with the Pantheon of Death, but I think it's also the same way with Elune. Elune is fulfilling a role that is much needed in the universe, much like the Titans seem to be sort of, we say ordering the cosmos. I say cultivating the cosmos. They go to these planets, make sure that they're okay, set up whatever they need to in order to make sure that it continues on whatever trajectory it is, and then move on. Uh, Even if there's no world soul, we've seen that they've interjected themselves multiple times to sort of, you know, cultivate what happens there. Or Look at what happens
1: on Draenor with Agrimar. Agrimar is in the middle of a hunt for Sargeras, who at this point he doesn't know has turned on the Pantheon. But he cannot make himself leave when he finds Draenor and And find that it's out of whack. Yeah. Even though he knows I've got a job, I've got to be doing it. I need to go find Sergerus. I can't leave this place like this or the the poor living things on it will never get anywhere. Mm -hmm. So he acts. He doesn't act with anything like the subtlety or the completeness of the full pantheon, but he still acts. He's like, okay. I'm just going to grab this great big chunk of rock and I'm going to infuse it with a whole bunch of power. That should take care of it. You know what I want you to do. And the big rock monster is like, okay. And then he's like, okay, I gotta go. I, if I get a chance, I'll come back later and see how this worked out. And he and he's out because he has things to do, but he could not make himself leave until he did something. Now let's think about this in terms of what, if Elune is not a Titan or a world soul or anything like that, And she's not like, what is she? Is she, they're all out there cultivating, but what is, what is it? We were always told the Emerald dream was.
0: We were originally told that it was a backup, a backup blueprint. Uh, Think
1: about what a backup is and how you might make use of it. If there is the, if, if the Emerald dream is a repository for the backup, not just of individual worlds, but of creation, and it's accessible through worlds.
0: Multiple worlds. You
1: could, you could theoretically use a world to get access to this thing, which is essentially the source code for creation, and recompile it. You could basically say, let's go back to running off of version 1.0. And then I got some changes I want to make. But first, let's go back to 1.0. And from there, we'll move forward. If you think of it that way, Elune would be reorigination.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: she would be that force when you turn on the reorigination force and you completely take a world back that's loon. that's the warrior if you think about it in those terms in this cosmos beings seem to embody concepts and that could mean that a concept could have existence as a being even if it wasn't necessarily designed to be one loon feels to me like she could actually be like, it's possible that a reorigination, we, we know a reorigination was used on Azeroth exactly once. What if that got Alun's attention? Because that reorigination was used before the rise of the Night Elves. It was used in what's now, uh, I want to say Oldum. Yes, Oldum. It's why Oldham is a desert today. And it was used way before the Night Elves became the Night Elves. So, what if that thing was turned on and Alun was like, what? And looked over and saw that. And was like, oh, no, 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 no. no! And that's why she started, first thing she did was find the race that it was used against and found a group of them and made them night elves. And that's why it's night elves in the temple of Sargeras. The, 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 the tomb of Sargeras, the temple of Elune in Suramar, has night elf symbols there. Think about why that might be. And that's the thing that really gets me about this whole thing is Elune might be the cosmic force itself that we see in Ardenweald. Mm -hmm. It's it's in Ardenweald. We see that dead things can come back. It's for lack of a better word. It's what we see every autumn. When you go outside and you see leaves falling out of the trees and you see that like things getting withered and skeletal, you know that that's necessary for the world to come into spring. When you go to Ardenweald, The reason that the the winter queen is there is because even though the place still looks pretty lively, she is literally winter in its metaphorical sense. She is that, that period of rest before renewal. Mm -hmm. Elune is the renewal. That's what she does. And that's why she's a guardian and a warrior because all those things, they're all aspects of life as it returns. So, I don't think it's quite possible that she is a world soul because even the world souls, when they've come into their full power do seem to take roles like Amonthul's, yep. you know, role and all that. But it's also possible that she is, I don't want to say beyond a Titan, but just something like a cosmic law.
0: Yeah. Like the force
1: that exists throughout Azeroth realm. And the reason she doesn't just show up is because she, it's like, if it, the Titans are too big to interact with Azeroth, she's too big to interact with them.
0: Which is why she is summoned, essentially, through worship, as would be my and guess, her, right?
1: And her actions are almost always not her showing up and doing something. Mm-hmm. Like, when we see, uh, when loon personally transforms the satyr back into a night elf, she doesn't come and do it. There's just a flash of light, and it's done. She doesn't make her presence known. That's why she has to have a night warrior because mm-hmm. she's simply too cosmically vast to just show up on your planet.
0: Now, you know? now to, Although, to,
1: I'm going to say it's kind of hilarious. We thought we'd get to another question.
0: I know. Seriously. Um Which, you know, thanks Zach. <laughs> uh There's one last part that I do want to touch on before we, you know, as we're coming up on time is that this all leads us into the final part of it, which is something that I think Matt and I have been, been thinking about and talking about for, years at this point i think i did the math and it's been well over a thousand hours of recorded podcasts with just between the two of us um of what is the truth
1: jump directly into the casket here or finish (laughs) the show
0: let's finish the show first let's give the people what they want it's it's the question of what is the nature of azeroth right now We've always thought that it was as clearly Azeroth is a Titan. It's a world soul. It's it's that's what we're told it is. But the problem is, is everything we've been told for lack of a better terminology is told to us by an unreliable narrator. It's told to us by somebody who can only contextualize based off of what they know, whether this is a broker, whether this is uh, a, you know, a Titan uh, forge, whether this is a Titan watch or whether this is a journal from somebody who, you know, has gone through all of the research, whether it's Braun, Bronzebeard going through and digging up all of these old texts and, and context of what we think might happen. And one of the
1: biggest texts we have is literally the ramblings of a lunatic uh twilight's hammer worshiper
0: yep and we're gonna get more of that too when when uh dragon when dragonflight comes out because we know we're gonna go for uh what was essentially the lost discs of norgana and we're gonna go find more because for everything we thought we had with it there's still more which means there's still more we don't know but the problem is is everything we've speculated on in game uh and even out of game is built off of uh skewed data It's based off of information that we don't have the full breadth of. But I want to go back to something that I said earlier, and this is something that has been sticking with me for a while now. And it's this concept that Titans have seemingly defined roles. Azeroth seems to be pure potential. Now, the reason I say that is because Azeroth is sort of in a unique position As far as we can tell versus everything else that has existed in the universe, where it is very likely that Azeroth is the center of the cosmic sort of chart, right? That every realm, every bit of cosmic energy can touch Azeroth. Beings born of Azeroth can wield and interact with all of those forces, We have beings that can manipulate anima, and I'm looking at you, mages. I'm looking at you, shaman. I'm looking at, uh, you know, to a certain extent, even warlocks with the life siphoning. Uh, we, they can, we have beings that can harness void and shadow, looking at, again, warlocks and shadow priests. We have beings that can transcend and go to the shadow realms of the shadowlands and actually interact with ancestral beings. We have folks that can interact with the blueprint of all creation. Everything that exists touches Azeroth and everything that touches Azeroth, we can interact with without being overloaded like we've seen happen and was talked about on other realms. Look at Locust Walker. When Locust Walker is having a conversation about what it's like to harness the void, we talk about others that came before, other disciples that Locust Walker had. Every single one of them could not handle it, and even Locust Walker struggles with it. Yet, we have Void Elves now. They seem pretty okay, for the most part. They still have the Whispering, but they definitely seem to have it more under control than the Ethereals did. We have the mages that do the order. We have all we have death knights that can walk into the shadowlands just like the Valkyr, the Valkyr can, just like the the Kyrian can. We touch everything. Azeroth, for lack of any other definition, represents sort of in my mind the ultimate culmination of infinite possibilities because. Unlike the other titans that seem to be transformed by Fel, uh, we know that when Sargeras unleashed Fel upon them, they didn't have anything that could fight with it. Azeroth, we see areas that were consumed by Fel healing, reforming themselves. They're not permanently scarred or dead, like we've seen on other planets. We know that other planets consumed by Fel just are done. They're gone. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Azeroth is unlimited potential. Matt posited this a couple weeks ago, and I, and, and I think there's something to it. Azeroth isn't necessarily the final Titan. Azeroth, Azeroth might be the final experiment that the first ones were going for, a being that could potentially exist in a nexus of everything. That's been sticking with me. I don't know that Azeroth is a Titan. I think it might be bigger than that and that also might be why Elune has set, taken such personal interest in it for as long as, as they have.
1: Let me put it this way. We know that the Zerith Mortis, which is one of the the first ones workshops, for lack of a better word, has a direct connection to Azeroth. Mhm. Now, the machinery we see on Azeroth was built by the Lich King under the influence of, you know, Zoval, but the the channel was there. Zerith Mortis has a path directly to Azeroth. Yep. Why would you put that in?
0: Why is that necessary? Unless you,
1: unless you needed it for something.
0: The neck the neck that you get off the jailer looks like the heart of Azeroth that we get, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Yep.
1: And for that matter, I mean, think about this. That's the building you're in when you see this thing being used is the sepulcher of the first ones. Mm-hmm. It's where they're quote-unquote buried.
0: The tomb, right? Because that's what what it is, a tomb. Sepulchers
1: are a tomb. Sepulchers are usually a tomb, but sometimes they're not a tomb, but they're a burial monument. If you were, quote-unquote, burying the first ones, and the place where you're burying them has a direct line to this little planet, did you bury them in there? Is that what's in there? Is that why everything channels there? Is the egg that's going to hatch into this powerful being— has to be rebuilt
0: or, or on that same line of, sorry, that same line, because you made me think about this. I don't mean to interrupt, but like, what if the first ones wanted to become something greater? And Azeroth represents the apotheosis of that.
1: Well, let me put it this way. If they have to rebuild the final Titan, why will it be the final Titan? Is it going to be the final Titan because it is the Omega to the first one's alpha? Is it the, the final one? Is this birth of the final day? To, you know deadline, that, 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 you know, you know the I mean? But seriously, is that what this is? Is this the end of the process? That's just something to think about. But I know we got to get going.
0: Yeah, that's, that's going to do us for time. So, Zach, I do want to thank you very much for sending that in. Uh, I'm very happy that we were able to go through all of it, and hopefully you all enjoyed that journey as well. There will be more discussion about the Loon and the Titans and Azeroth as we move forward, especially as Dragonflight's release looms ever closer, and we will be digging through all of the little tidbits and lore nuggets that will be available uh, when that releases. But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing so community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having our question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it is for so that we can go ahead and uh, make sure it gets pulled appropriately. If you don't want to send us an email, you can go ahead and hit us up on our various Discord channels. Well, we have one set aside for Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you, where we look first for questions and episode suggestions. That's the Patreon Q and podcast questions channel if you can't support us on patreon again we understand money's tight for everybody but you're listening and sharing our show with others is its own form of support but you can also send those questions into our q and podcast questions channel uh which we have set aside specifically for you as well uh but i do want to thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next week